Chicago, Des Moines. Live from the BMW of Des Moines Sports Desk, it's an X's and O's update on 1460 KXNO. I'm Trent Condon. The Iowa Hawkeyes picked up win number two of the Big Ten season, a 73-63 win against Northwestern. Joe Wieskamp, a big night for the Hawks. And a takeaway. They do defend. Wieskamp with the steal. Now Wieskamp accelerating past Wall to the rim. It's an high as Wieskamp inside will go to the line for one more. Up eight. Wieskamp with the three. That's a fall. And what a drive. Wieskamp to the rim. Camp does it again. Joe Wieskamp, 17 points. Wieskamp finished with 19, the call from BTN. The Minnesota Vikings are staying in-house for their next offensive coordinator. The Vikings have promoted Kevin Stefanski to OC. The Iowa Wild fell last night 5-4 on the road. The parent club, Minnesota, hosts Winnipeg tonight. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back. It's the 11 o'clock hour. Miller and Condon are with you right up until noon. That's the uh, situation every Monday through Friday. Glad you're with us. If you miss any portion of the program or you want to listen to another guest, you can go to the KXNO.com and uh, click on the, the podcast page, and there we will be. All right, Trent Condon, you get to help Kyler Murray make his decision on what he's going ah. to do, because apparently he's going to defy his agent, Scott Boros, and uh, he got a football bug, and why wouldn't he? He won a Heisman Trophy, after all. He's a pretty darn good player. Having said that, Kyler Murray is five foot ten, hundred and eighty-five pounds, hundred ninety pounds. Somewhere is he even five ten? Well, that's just it. He's listed at five ten, which means he's probably five foot nine. Excellent point. Uh, but he will get measured when he gets to the combine mm-hmm. because they strive for accuracy when you get yeah, to Indianapolis. So, what would you do, Trent? What would you do if you're Kyler Murray? Would you take the money, play baseball? Uh, the physical toll on your body, yes, it's 162 games. I get that. Uh, but you're not being hit repeatedly by linemen who have nothing else on their mind other than to get you on the ground uh, and, in some cases, cause some pain while doing so. What would you do? Boy, it's an incredibly difficult decision because you have the aspect that you talked about, the physical toll that it takes. But if you're a first-round pick... That's guaranteed money, too. Mm-hmm. Your signing bonus guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Would you spend a first-round pick on him, knowing he's 5'9"? I would nine? not. I wouldn't either. I would not. I, I have been very surprised by the Kyler Murray love that's been out there by draft scouts and the mm-hmm. like. I, I don't see it. And you know what I think? Maybe it's somewhat predicated on. It's it's Haskins. It's, it's Locke. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the first round. The kid from Duke. Right. Um, Jones, right? Yeah. But other than that, Trent... I don't know. I think I, and baseball, though, how many first round picks flame out? I mean, it's hot, it's a fifty fifty proposition mm-hmm. in the NFL. Mm-hmm. One in three make it in Major League Baseball, not just make it to the show, but then mm-hmm. become even a a productive major leaguer. Yeah, get that contract, get those contracts going forward. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's great to have options, right? Yeah. He's not going to be a two-sport guy. He's going to pick one. You can't as a quarterback. No, this is a Bo no. Jackson. Right. Or Dion. Dion never right. hit anybody, played football anyway, so it kind yes. of worked out well for him. Yes. But boy, he's a hell of a player. My God, he was a hell of a cornerback. Um, and returner. 
And returner. No, he's a special player. There's a reason he's got a gold jacket in, in Boston Canton. He's one of those special, special, special players. Um, Where would you, if he got your ear, he called up, Ken, I need play, some help. Play baseball. Play baseball? I just don't think he's... He's a good player, don't get me wrong. I just Is there a place for Kyler Murray at five foot nine and a half? 180 pounds or whatever he is. I mean, maybe you can put on some muscles or better weight, but he's, it's not like he's, you know, he's um, not cut now, but he's not growing anymore. Baseball will be there, though. If he gives the NFL a shot and short of a devastating injury, you can go back to baseball, which right? Is a, which Easier? Is a, sure, but that's also in the back of NFL teams' minds. Yeah. You know, how committed is he if this doesn't work out? Um, you know, he's always got that uh, uh, plan B, if you will, and it's a pretty good, darn good plan B. So we will see. All right, a couple more minutes on uh, on Iowa and uh, uh, Northwestern from last night. So what does this do, Trent, going forward? They've now won two in a row. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, Penn State. Um, by the way, there's really nothing hoops-wise tonight. Penn State plays... Nebraska. Nebraska. And Michigan... Is, is Michigan, that Illinois? Michigan, Illinois. And they Hoxie, Illinois, after Penn State? I think it's Ohio State, Penn State, Illinois. Yes, right? correct. Three of the next four at home for Iowa. So maybe I'll watch a little bit of Illinois. I wasn't planning on doing that, but maybe I will. And it's uh, fun watching Michigan. Oh, They're fun to absolutely. Watch. Do you think, as, and you asked the question of Kevin mm-hmm. Layman as we bounce around here a little bit, um, who is the team right now to beat? We've got, by the way, uh, next week as we plan our guest list on the fly, we've got to start reaching out to some of our national college basketball Absolutely. Guys. The Rob Dosters yes, of the world Matt from Norlander, NBC, Matt Norlander. Yeah, those guys. We'll get them on. Um who is the best team you've seen? Who, if you had the bet right now, regardless of odds, and you only get mm-hmm. one, would you put your money on Duke? I still would. I know it's such a boring answer, and I would like to do something different. This is so much different, though, than even last year's Duke team, which, and really the last few that have had so many headlines. They're playing defense. You remember last season at this time when we were talking about Duke, and they couldn't play man. Mm-hmm. For one of the few times in Shashevsky's career, he had to go zone, yeah. which he hates to I remember do. You bringing that up a lot. Yep. This team plays defense, and it's not just Zion; it's those other freshmen mm-hmm. that are playing defense at a high level too, with Barrett and company. I just I look at the talent coupled with the way that they're playing on the other end of the floor. It would be Duke, Michigan, really good. Speaking Virginia. of defense. You know I have a futures wager on them. Oh, what'd you get them at? Fifteen to one. Good one. Um, out of the out of the Big Twelve, I guess if I had to bet one, I would bet Texas Tech just because of the to defense. win the whole thing. No, I'm not saying they're going to. But if I yeah. had to take a chance of flyer, I'd still on take a price, Kansas. You still take Kansas? Yeah, just the boring pick. <laughs> right. It, I know you don't like betting chalk. I'm not. I'm not teasing you because you're no, your no. favorite player. You're not. You know that very well. Right. 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 You can't make money. You seen that players. red in my account? Mm-hmm. Texas Tech for me is still that team. Uh, nice win by Kansas last night, beating uh, beating TCU. Yep. I didn't see a ton of it, admittedly, because I was obviously on the Hawks in Northwestern. Uh, a gutty win by Iowa last night. That was a, uh, a maybe the best way to spirited. Um, they played really, really hard, and I can't say that I've seen a Hawkeye team play that hard, particularly the final 18 minutes of a basketball, and really didn't take a possession off no, on either end no. of the floor. Nick Bear, uh, Nicholas Bear got beat a couple of times, and he's going to, just because he doesn't have the foot speed, but where Nick Bear, uh, Nicholas Bear gets you is between the ears. You know, that's where he makes up for his lack of athleticism. He's smarter than anybody else on the floor. And he showed it again last night. A, a perfect Nicholas Bear line. Look at his stat line across the board. Nine points. Okay. Ten rebounds. Uh-huh. Two assists. How many steals? Two steals. 
Offensive rebound, three of six from the field, hit a three-pointer. I mean, yeah, just, that three-pointer was a thing of beauty. That pull up there, yes, by the uh, from the left elbow, somewhere around the area. That was a that was a well struck big game for him last night. Uh, Ohio State got picked off by Rutgers. Look, I don't know if there's a carryover or not from uh, Wednesday night into this coming Saturday. I, I guess you would have, if you could wave your magic wand, you would have liked Ohio State to be coming off a win and yeah. not arriving in Iowa City with that embarrassing bad taste in your mouth of losing of all teams to Rutgers. Is Rutgers getting any better? I don't know if I've seen them play this year, Trent. They are. Are they? Yeah, they're not great by any means, mm-hmm. but they're they're improving. And Iowa sees them twice this season. That's, That's good news. It's one of their double plays. Again, talking road victories. Last season, they got beat by 15 at Rutgers. Can't afford that this year. Different kind of squad. Three of the next four at home. The one road game's at Penn State. Another winnable road game. They sign up for three and one right now, right? Mm-hmm. Because yes, Michigan absolutely. State is part of it. Right, and that's two weeks from tonight. And you know, when we were talking earlier in, in this conversation, I was having this with uh, my text chain with my buddies about 9-11. and 11. Does 9-11 and 11 get it done? I think it does. Andy Katz says it does. But you have to have another big win in there. Mm-hmm. It has to be uh, nine- A road win? Not necessarily that, but even a home win against Michigan State or Michigan. 9-11 with one of those big wins, I think, does get it done. And have you seen that stretch after Illinois, uh, the Michigan State at Minnesota, home to Michigan at Indiana? You're looking for a win, right? You're looking for a win. You might sign for one and three right there. Especially if you get these next three. Mm Mm-hmm. You get one more of that, and then you get into the back half of the schedule. and Looking a whole lot up. more promising than it was this time last week. It is. Isn't it crazy it really how we can change is. things? That was a must-win game against Nebraska, and they did. We are going to switch gears and talk Iowa State. We'll get back to, to Iowa, but more uh, likely football conversation with Mark Morehouse as we dot I's and cross T's on the 2018 Hawkeye football season. Still waiting on TJ Hawkinson. Still nothing. Still nothing. Is he torn? Is he trying to create some... No, you know what? If I had to guess, I would think it was the former, not the latter. I don't think that this is a drama queen. Is no, that where you're no. going? No, I was just some separation from the announcement from oh, Hooker I see and what Nelson. You're saying. My apologies. Um, but we're past kind of the separation yeah, point it's now. Been, it's been a while. They've I mean, had we, their headlines. We're not talking about those guys anymore. We, we thought we'd see separation from Montgomery's announcement. And yes. Akeem Butler goes like a few hours later, which right. surprised me. Uh, is this separation or is he is he really going back and forth on this? I think he's going back and forth. I, th- I think he's. I think he likes playing for the University of Iowa. He's an Iowa kid. Yeah, and the deep and the tight end class continues to get deeper by the day. Seemingly, we're seeing guys that are throwing their hat into the ring. Mm-hmm. They're, they're leaving eligibility uh, on the table to to go pro. Um, I don't know. The athletic draft has changed. He's no longer in the first round. Uh, the uh, Dane Brugler, I think, is the guy. That's, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's got now the final pick of the first round. He's got Noah Fant. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But Hawkinson was always in that place, and maybe it's just because Hawkinson hasn't made his announcement. Um, I can assume that it's well, he's, he's, the deadline's Monday. It is, yeah. He's he's so got it's a time few to get in the water, get off the pot, as my dad would say to me. It was that kid. I think it, it is something like you said that he is torn. He loves playing for the University of Iowa, and I've said this before, and some people take this as a negative. It's different for a kid that grows up a Hawkeye fan, lives out his dream, mm-hmm. tastes a whole lot of success. It's completely different for Noah Fan, even though he grew up across the road. He grew up a Nebraska fan. His uh-huh. family are Nebraska fans. Right. 
It's different. It doesn't mean you can't be from out of state and be a great Hawkeye and, and be a great ambassador to your university. That's not what this means at all. But it is different. And the pull is different for these two guys. Even And even if the draft you know, prospects were different and people thought that Hawkinson was even a, a higher draft pick than Fant, the Iowa angle it weighs in. It, it's important, and I think it's important to, to him. Living in Iowa City as a youngster, as I know, that's pretty fun. It's, it's a fun life. Uh, John Walters, he's the voice of Iowa State. We'll switch gears. A cyclone conversation, football and basketball next with John. Mark Morehouse in about 25 minutes. Miller and Condon are here until noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. It's time to pay your bills with 1460 KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword RUN to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000. That's RUN to 200-200 right now. Brought to us by EKG Golf. Let's talk some Cyclones, shall we? He is indeed the voice of Iowa State. He's John Walters, and he joins us. John Trenton, Ken, good to talk to you, John Walters. How you been? Great talking to you guys. Excited about your show and the time slot. I think it's awesome. I'm not driving around a lot during this time, so I'll be listening to you guys a lot. Well, thank you for the uh, promotional plug there, John Walters. We may use that. I uh, appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I've known you for a long time, and uh, great of you to say that. Well, John, um, you know, let's go back to San Antonio and kind of re- recap football, if you will. You've covered a lot of bowl games. You've been to a lot of bowl games. Uh, I was in Memphis last year. Uh, but by the sounds of things, they don't measure up to what you just saw. Now, the game aside, the game was terrific uh, from a from a fan perspective. Didn't go Iowa State's way, but uh, kind of recap uh, San Antonio, if you would, John. Oh, just a great experience for everybody involved. You know, I think the, that is a first-class ball. They really do it right. And, you know, even though it's a big city that has an NBA team and, and has a large population base, what's neat about it is they really embrace the Alamo Bowl. And so, uh, sometimes if you're in a big city, uh, you know, like Iowa State was down the, the Texas Bowl, it used to be called down in Houston, you know, the game just gets lost. It, it gets lost in a city like that. Um, but, but this city really embraced the game uh, with the Riverwalk and everything right there. It's also a great thing. Uh, I think a bowl experience is made much, much better if you can just plant yourself someplace and then entertain yourself by walking and, and not having to drive mm-hmm. all over a city to see things. And you could... You could walk to the Alamo. You could walk up and down the river walk. You could walk to the stadium. You could, you know, it, it was great because everything was right there. And I think for a lot of fans, that's a really enjoyable thing because it makes it less stressful. Uh, and, and then you just talk about the game itself. I mean, what a, a terrific matchup. The, the crowd was fantastic. It was really loud in there. I mean, uh, teams are coming out to warm up. You know, it's an hour before kick, and here come the specialists, you know, out to warm up. And it was a deafening roar. <laughs> And there weren't even hardly any that many people in there yet. But it just the noise kind of bounces off the walls in that place. And I think that might have actually hurt Iowa State a little bit with all the false starts. I think they were having a really hard time communicating. But, you know, they played well, and so did Washington State. It was a good game. And, uh, unfortunately, the three turnovers end up costing you. But what a great season for Iowa State and a great way to finish it in a terrific bowl game. And uh, no regrets. It was, it was awesome. And uh, hopefully they'll come back there sometime soon and, and win one of those. John, with a couple of early departures to the NFL draft with Montgomery and Butler moving on, creating a lot of the headlines, certainly going into next year, of guys that are lost. But I want to get your thoughts on this defensively. 
Who's going to be the biggest loss out of this senior group? Is it Willie Harvey and what he's meant to that linebacking crew? Or is it one of the two cornerbacks with PV and Payne departing? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's hard to narrow it down to one. I do think that the combination of losing those two corners is tough because those are, that was as good a combination of corners as anybody had. And, you know, really by the end of the year, Payne was playing safety. They had pretty much moved him back to that nickel spot where he was so successful a couple of years ago. And he was very, very good there and helped solidify their defense toward the end. And, um, you know, and that's really an important spot in Iowa State's defense. But I think they feel really good about some young guys coming in in those spots with Anthony Johnson and Daytron Young and some other young corners. Uh, Azuna uh, has got some experience now. There's some other guys within the program that they feel good about. So, you know, I, I think they'll be able to absorb that, but certainly PV's leadership, just, you know, the number of years that he had been in the program, the number of starts, uh, the kind of ambassador he was for the program, I think that's maybe the biggest loss on that side of the ball just because of the volume of work of what he had done as a Cyclone. And, you know, it, it, it's been mentioned, it hasn't been well documented yet, but he certainly played his entire senior season hurt. Mm. And, uh, you know, to, to gut it out and go play like that mm. um, is pretty impressive. And uh, I'm sure at some point he'll he'll get into more detail about what he was dealing with. But, I mean, uh, when, when you think about that sacrifice the guy's making, uh, you appreciate him that much more. Well, the the front seven, if you want to call it that, I know uh, Haycock runs different defenses out there, but Trent mentioned, you know, Willie Harvey and his backup Northrop. They they both exhaust their eligibility, but Jaquan Bailey and Johnson and Ray Lima and Iwazaruke and even Matt Leo, who's getting better as he Jamal uh, Johnson, Jamal Johnson, <laughs> yeah, um, and, and then Spears and a true freshman Mike Rose, who played a ton, and Orion Vance, pretty Salty. stout up uh, in that front seven, John Walters. Uh, no doubt, and I think Jake Hummel's a guy that will emerge. There's another one, yeah. Too, and uh, you know, I would think he might be the possible replacement uh, for Willie Harvey in that in that linebacker group because Spears, I think, is flexible enough to play either one of those outside linebacker spots. And so, uh, you know, the year Mike Rose had was amazing. I mean, really amazing uh, for him to go in there, start as a true freshman, you know, not even coming in in the spring. Uh, to start day one against Iowa and then be in that starting lineup all the way through the season. You know, usually you expect a freshman to kind of hit a wall somewhere along the way or maybe hit a little bit of a slump. He just kept playing at a high, high level all the way through. So I think his future is really bright. I'm super excited about Marcel Spears and what what he could do in his senior year. And, yeah, you mentioned those guys up front. I mean, this should be a good defense again next year. And, uh, you know, this, this is going to be something you can kind of kind of hang your hat on because if you can hold opponents to 21 22 23 points a game you give yourself a chance to win every single week if you can get enough offense together and with Brock Purdy coming back and you know some of the skill guys they have returning I think there's every reason to think that that's a good possibility you got an entire offensive line returning so you know I I, I think they feel pretty good about the possibilities for next year a lot of things have to happen between now and then but um, there's a lot of pieces in place. Yeah, basketball in a second. One of those pieces offensively, I think the next pro, well, maybe not the next one, maybe that's not unfair, but I think Charlie Kohler is going to be a pro. Saw enough of him this year to think, by God, seal, you know, this kid's ceiling is way up there. And then on the other side of the ball, and I remember this distinctly, John, the South Dakota State game, I don't know how many plays were running the game. I think there was one series on offense, one series on defense, and Trent and I reconvened our first day back of work, and I remember saying on the air, Trent, I can't really add a lot other than 
And boy, oh boy, this number 12 for Iowa State on defense, I think his name is Eisworth. <laughs> My God, keep an eye on this kid, Trent, because I only saw one series, but he was all over the field. What a, what a, um, it's not a freshman campaign, but what a first campaign with Iowa State. Eisworth was terrific. Yeah, and still has two years left. You know, right. Getting those junior college guys that still have three years of eligibility is a really big deal. And Eisworth was, you know, going to go to Mississippi originally. He's certainly a very talented player, was highly sought uh, coming out of high school. And uh, I just think he's extremely talented. And a guy that played quarterback, um, you know, for most of his uh, growing up. Uh, so I think kind of has a good feel for understanding what quarterbacks are trying to do and anticipating and, and plays in that position very well. But the thing that impressed me most about him was his tackling, just open field, the ability to get guys to the ground, and, and shifty guys, you know, I mean, hard guys to tackle in the open field. He consistently was able to get them to the ground, and it, it makes such a difference when you have a guy at that spot that can do that. And I agree with Jan Kohler. I love what his potential is. He's just a, a happy-go-lucky kid. He's a, a smart kid, super intelligent, but uh, a great teammate and uh, man, he showed some really good hands as the season went on and some uh, breakaway ability. I mean, you can get him down the seam for 20, 25 yards, and Purdy really likes to throw that deep ball. So, um, you know, getting Kohler in that seam and maybe getting some, some big plays out of that tight end position going forward once or twice a game can really open things up for a lot of other things offensively. So I'm excited about him and Chase Allen and that group of tight ends. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of reasons to, to be optimistic about football next year for Iowa State. Voice of the Cyclones, John Walters, joining us here. Miller and Cotton, 1460 KXNO. John, over to a little basketball and Baylor. A loss the other night. It's always difficult to win on the road, but is that one that is lingering, stinging a little bit longer because maybe it felt like it was one of those winnable road games? Well, I think it was. You know, I mean, and, and every year it seems like Iowa State goes down to Baylor and has a really close game that comes right down to the final possession. And every year they lose. Yeah. Uh, they've only won down there twice. Uh, 2000 team that won the Big 12 championship, and then the uh, 2012-13 season they won down there. Every other year they've lost, and most of those games have been very, very close. Uh, but for some reason, they just have a hard time closing games in that place. Uh, it was tough because it was, it was a winnable game. And if you make a few more plays down the stretch and you find a way to get that done and you're sitting there at 3-0. and But, you know, I would say this. Uh, if you had told me coming into conference play that Iowa State's going to have two road games and a home game with Kansas and, and they're going to come out of that 2-1 and one, uh, coming home to play Kansas State, I'd say alright, sign me up, that sounds really mm-hmm. good so I think they're still in a very good spot um, but yeah, certainly one that you hated to see slip away the other night um, because road games are so hard to win and that was a great evidence of it, I mean it just is really hard to win on the road and there's a reason why teams have the winning percentages at home that they do and I'm not sure what that reason is. I, I can't pinpoint it exactly, but there's no doubt it happens. And um, so anytime you get one on the road, I mean, the Oklahoma State game felt uh, like a, a great, great win for Iowa State to go get that one on the road. Anytime you can get one, it's a big deal, especially because Iowa State's looking pretty good at home this year. I mean, they're undefeated. Uh, and I'm not saying they'll finish undefeated, but if they can continue to protect their home court at a good ratio, uh, then you don't have to go steal as many on the road to be in a real good spot at the end of the year. And so, uh, you know, I, I think they'll uh, 
They'll try to bounce back with a big one here against Kansas State on Saturday. Mm, K-State had a remarkable comeback win last night. Trent and I were looking ahead uh, at the home slate uh, for Iowa State. Very final game, senior day. Uh, Texas Tech was off to a terrific start. Well, since we're kind of talking conference, John, um, let's spend a couple of minutes on you know the uh, first three games for, for the most part. I know Baylor's only played a couple. TCU likewise. Uh, Texas Tech, one of the good stories so far in conference play. West Virginia, 19 or 21 rather, point lead. Last night with 18 and a half minutes left, they give that one up on the road in Manhattan. Dean Wade, K-State's best player, is, uh, he's not on the floor. He's, he's probably not going to play for a while. But this conference, again, it, it and maybe it's kind of I have that same kind of phobia that it not phobia uh, wish you know with that that I do with the Patriots. It's over for the Patriots. I kind of feel though that John that this is it's over for Kansas. I know it's crazy to think after three <laughs> games, but it feels different this year. Yeah, I'm not ready to write their obituary. <laughs> All right, I just I, I refuse to do it. I've been burned too many times. Yeah, I hear but, you. Uh, no, you know they they activated a player last night that they were going to redshirt. He played very well. Um, they Lawson played extremely well last night. Their guards played much better. They played harder. You know, I mean, they just played with a purpose last night and beat what I think is a very very good TCU team. I you know TCU without Jalen Fisher. You mentioned some of the injuries, Ken. I mean, Dean Wade. Azubuki, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Fisher. Um, there, there's some star power I'm missing in the league right now. Kanate hasn't been playing. Right. I mean, you're, you're talking about first team All Big Twelve type of talents that that haven't been playing, and it certainly has changed the landscape of the way the season has started. But I think that Texas Tech is there to stay in this race. I think Kansas is going to be right there to the end with a great chance to win it. I think Iowa State's going to be in the mix, especially if, they, if we talked about you know getting a couple on the road and continuing to protect the home floor. I think they'll be in the race. And I think this TCU team is certainly worthy of keeping an eye on. When they get Fisher back, um, they are really tough to defend because they can spread the floor and they really move the basketball. And they're committed to guarding. I think Jamie Fisher's a great coach. Uh, it, it, you know, it's uh, it, it's a tough situation. Oh, Jamie Dixon, I mean, I'm sorry, right, Jamie yeah. Dixon. No, I, I think he's a terrific coach. And so, um, you know, I... I I feel good about the race. I feel good about Iowa State's place in it. But, man, talk about a a blood battle last night. West Virginia and and Kansas State, two teams that hadn't won a conference game yet. You knew that thing was going to be a physical battle. And I I set the DVR to record it for an extra half hour, and thank goodness. Well done. There was a zillion fouls. uh, But you knew that would be just a a bloodbath. And, man, for Kansas State to come back from 21 down in the second half and win that game, that's just unbelievable. And uh, their biggest comeback in school history, so they're going to come in with some positive vibes coming into Ames on Saturday. No doubt about it. Um, John Walters is our guest. John Cameron Lard, I guess uh, Steve Prohm was on the uh, the teleconference, the Big 12 teleconference. He's going to meet with the uh, Cyclone Media, the Iowa Media coming up here, uh, the state of Iowa Media coming up here in, uh, in momentarily. But apparently maybe some good news comes out of it. I know there's another MRI this afternoon, but so far so good. Maybe more of a day-to-day thing, John? Is that what we're led to believe? That seems to be the indication we're getting. Uh, I'm sure we'll find out more uh, here when he meets with the media at 145 today. Um, but, you know, it, it's hard to know right when it happens how serious it is. and So there was no way to really evaluate it that night and, and then have a good feel. I'm sure they found out more yesterday, and they're going to find out more again today. Um, but, yeah, uh, it would be great if they could get him going because he was starting to play some good basketball. I, I thought he played some very good minutes uh, against Baylor and was very active uh, running the floor and really getting after it. We saw him make some real good hustle plays the game before against Kansas. 
so, I mean, I think Cameron was starting to hit his, his uh, groove a little bit, and you hate to see a setback. So hopefully he's ready to roll. Uh, if not Saturday, then certainly going down to Texas Tech, that would be a, a great place to have him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the good news is this year there's enough depth that you can absorb some of this stuff, but he's still a guy that's really important in the big picture for Iowa State, and you're going to need him to hit your max potential. John, we know there was a conversation between Steve Prohm and Limdell Wigington about minutes and, and how kind of he is going to be used going forward. We saw him play more in the last matchup against Baylor as opposed to what happened at Kansas. Do you sense any tension? Do you, do you sense anything on the sidelines there? Anything that ca- could cause an issue down the road? I don't, but, you know, I, I'm not in those conversations. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that Steve has a lot of conversations with a lot of players about minutes because everybody wants to play, mm-hmm. uh, and, and you want guys that want to play. Um, but there's there's 13 guys on this team right now that, that you know, it, it's a little bit deeper than what Iowa State's used to having, and Steve's not a guy that likes to play more than seven or eight guys, which – is actually good news for Lindell in terms of the number of minutes he plays because he's going to be one of those seven or eight, no doubt. And there's going to be nights where Lindell's playing 35 minutes, whether it's in a starting role or coming off the bench, just because he's that kind of player. And they, they need him to, you know, to, to be that player. Uh, he is as explosive as, as any player in the league when he's at full strength. And I'm not sure we've seen him completely there yet. Um, it started to look like maybe he was there, but I, I, I just want to see that ability to get to the basket and finish that we know he's so good at, the ability to knock down three-point shots consistently. He hasn't quite gotten there yet. Uh, I, I think I think it's a work in progress, but um, I, the talent's there, the, the want-to is there. Uh, he, no matter what Iowa State does this season, he's going to be a huge part of it in whatever role it is, but uh, I'm sure he wants to play more minutes, and I'm happy that he does. Couple of Canadians making a big impact on that roster. One leading the way in scoring, and Mary Shayok and Lindell Wigington. John, great to catch up with you. Thank you. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you in the weeks to come. Sounds good, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, John Walters, voice of uh, Iowa State. Uh, from the Clones to the Hawks, from basketball to football. Mark Morehouse coming up next. He'll be our final guest. We're out of here at noon. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. When Trent and I continue, it's Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen sixty KXNO. <laughs> Sports Radio in Iowa starts and ends right here. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. This time tomorrow, we're very close to it. We will be calling for four contestants to give away the Claxons Barbecue. Claxons Barbecue in Altoona. Not today, tomorrow, probably about 11.45, and we'll give you a little bit of a head start. The four divisional games, and then the tiebreaker will be the same as last week. Total points that the Hawkeyes will score against Ohio State. Likewise, Iowa State against Kansas State. Not K-States or Ohio State, simply the two in-state schools. Their total points will be the tiebreaker. That's closest without going over. Claxons Barbecue giveaway Fridays at about 11.45. Right now, he's Mark Morehouse, regular contributor to our program all year long. We're grateful for it. Mark, good to talk to you. First time we've had an opportunity to get you back on here as we move down the dial 1460 KXNO. How are you, Mark Morehouse? Great. How are you guys? Congratulations on the move. Thank you very kindly, sir. So this time last year, I'm guessing you're already into the the big project that you did last year, the Ferentz, all of his wins and chronicling them all. Um, 
Have you? Was that enough? Or are you bracing yourself for another undertaking this off season? What are you going to work on this off season that seemingly is going to take a whole lot of your time, Mark? I, I would love to be able to uh, get an online database going of just historical Hawkeye games, just so people can answer questions quickly for themselves, like, oh, when's the last time I won a game where um, the quarterback threw six interceptions and still won? Uh, I would love to be able to find that, get that kind of information. You know, some of the streaky information, I get a ton of questions about, oh, this year, for example, um, Hawkinson and Noah Fant had 100-yard games at uh, Indiana this year, and uh, the questions always are, well, when's the last time I would do that? Mm. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have that. I would love to be able to get to a point where uh, I can get a site going here and, and, and that people can go to for that type of information. Now, that, that, that is beyond my expertise, and it's going to take some rallying and more sort of uh, enthusiastic encouragement to get people on board here. But uh, uh, last year was a weird thing. I could just do that myself. Um, this year is going to take some time to get people on board. So I'm not counting my chickens before they're hatched, but I would really love to be able to get that in front of podcast heads. And something where we're moving toward the more of an analytical box score. What what are successful plays? What are efficient plays? I'd rather a box score. I want to get to a box score that tells people that rather than just here's the raw numbers, here's the raw right. this. I, I think you can learn more about the game and, you know, some of the streaks and why some things didn't work and, uh, you know, who went to sleep in the third quarter, who did something at halftime, who did. Sounds like you need an intern this summer. Maybe a young... Uh, America. Yes. <laughs> Take it underneath uh, your own roof. That's a good idea, Mark Morehouse, joining us here. Hey, Mark, uh, we're still awaiting the decision of TJ Hawkinson from everything that I've read from you and heard from most everybody there in the, uh, in the media in Iowa City. It sounds like he's going. What's the holdup? Uh, I think he's in Florida doing football stuff, mm-hmm. uh, going through a workout academy. Uh, at least that's what his uh, online, uh, what was it, uh, Instagram showed. Uh, you know, I don't think you go to you put on the cleats right after the bowl game and go work out in Florida if you're going to be a Hawkeye. And I think he's been the most sort of one, the one who's wanted to say it, but it just kind of uh, maybe wanted to, you know, Respected Kirk's wishes and didn't 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 really address it during the bowl game. Um, yeah, but I think he's the most obvious one. The window is open for him now. Kind of like uh, jumping out of an airplane. You know, you, the light is on. It's time for you to go. If the light's off and you <laughs> hit your target, you end up in Russia. So uh, I think you want to. I think that's this is the time for him. This is the time for all these guys. You know, I, at first I thought. Anthony Nelson would have been a stretch just because of the glut of def- good yep. quality defensive linemen during the draft. But if you look at Anthony Nelson's resume, he's done more than the other two guys, mm-hmm. the other three guys. So uh, he's, I think he is more than ready to go where he lands in the draft. You know, that's going to be, that could be uncomfortable for him, but I, he's, he's going to get picked. He's a good player. 
Uh, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette. Mark, the four losses, uh, real tight games for the most part. Wisconsin kind of got away late in that football game, but it didn't feel like that at any part. In fact, I thought the best team on the field was uh, was wearing the black and gold that night. Uh, Penn State was a tight loss, obviously Purdue in the Northwestern. Which one of those four would they like a redo? I mean, Wisconsin seemingly at the time had so many implications uh, with the West, and at the time we all thought Wisconsin was going to be the team to beat. After all, Northwestern's got to be down this year, right? Um, what, what would they like to? Which one would they like to have over? I think the team, the players, the, the coaches—they would want either Wisconsin or Penn State because I think those are two of your bigger sort of game, if you if you if you will. Um, I would I would need to get out of under Wisconsin's bump. Um, it's been there for a few years now in Iowa. I think last year I showed that yeah, yeah I can still play with Wisconsin. Still gave up fifty carries. 200 and some yards, but I was right there in that game. A couple bad mistakes, you know, the punt thing um, doomed him. And then uh, Penn State was, you know, fourth, you know, first goal from the three with about six minutes left, interception. Yeah. Uh, to me, that was a game that Stanley Stanley uh, was was the, the thing, the reason why they lost to Purdue. Defensive backs, uh, uh, Northwestern. I would say maybe the run defense from Northwestern ran a little bit better than, and then uh, ten points on the offense is uh, that's bad. So uh, I think uh, I think they would have wanted to get Wisconsin. I think that would be the game. The ones that I I think they left eleven wins, and I think the two they should have gotten would have been uh, Purdue, Purdue for sure, and then uh, Northwestern. You know, Northwestern that Bowser kid, boy, he's a tough runner, isn't he? He had a really good game against Iowa. Wasn't going to get his opportunity. I mean, injuries kind of forced him into Fitz's lineup, and he's a good player, Mark. Yeah, I think uh, I think I dubbed him a. Uh, uh, Weirdly, on Twitter, halfway through that game, as uh, Iowa, uh, Northwestern's Wiseman, yeah. um, but I think he's, he's well, he, he, I think he brings a little more to the table. He's a little, little shiftier. Um, Northwestern really got Iowa out of its lanes in that game. It spread them out and found some uh, areas to block. Northwestern's offensive line was a little bit better than I thought uh, it would be. It was veteran last year, so uh, everybody saw the the uh, the. Was the Holiday Bowl and Northwestern came back and that from a twenty to three halftime deficit came out of nowhere and you know had that spark and that jaunt I call them the jaunty ones because uh, they just get that's a, that's a weird word you don't hear very often that's what Northwestern is it's a weird looking program that you don't you don't see this type of thing very often and uh, they make it work uh, I I don't know if you about you guys but. Uh, they're replacing quarterback. I, I have a hard time right now picking a leader in the West. I kind of probably default to Wisconsin, but you know, Fitzgerald took some very definite mm-hmm. uh, uh, overtures from the NFL this year, and uh, going back to Northwestern, I think I think that that's a program that's going to be remain one that the Hawkeyes. This will have to deal with. You know, that's a fair, that's a really interesting question. Maybe this will say for next time we have you on next week, Mark, because you know Minnesota was really, really yes. young. Martinez, I think, is the best recording returning quarterback in the Big Ten at Nebraska. Um, Mertz, we saw him. I don't know if you watched from San Antonio that All Star yeah. game this past week. The Wisconsin commit. He threw five touchdown passes. Let's save that for next week. That's a great topic, Mark Morehouse. Go ahead, Trent. Hey, Mark, uh, a couple of losses up front for Iowa on the defensive front. The loser starting tackles with Sam Brinks and Matt Nelson exhausting their eligibility. You look at what's waiting in the wings. Some of the names, Linderbaum moves over to center. And it sounds like I was involved with the grad transfer from Rice, Zach Abercrombie. Have you heard anything there? I was tried to go the grad transfer route a couple of times. Haven't been able to get any fruit out of that yet. Have you heard anything there? 
Nothing uh, concrete. I just think uh, I, it feels like Iowa was the first to get to him or one of the first teams to get to recruiting him. Um, he'd be a guy who would come in and probably play right away. Uh, right now, Cedric Lattimore, probably starter. Brady Reese, maybe a starter. We'll see on Davion Nixon if he if grades hold up. Uh, what else? Um, uh, oh, Noah Shannon um, will probably get a look, a, a really strong look. So I, I do think, Trent, there is a deficit, deficit at defensive tackle. And if Iowa can get in on a, on a grad transfer, I, I totally see them doing that. I thought one thing was interesting in Florida, Brian Ferris talking about the, the transfer portal. That sounded like something he was very sour on going down a dangerous, I think he called it a dangerous pass with, the, mm-hmm. with players being able to move back and forth. But then in the next interview, Kirk was up next, and I asked Kirk, well, I imagine there'll be both lockstep in this. And, no, Kirk was uh, – I, I kind of gave him the examples of when they found James Butler, when they found uh, uh, Makai Sargent, you know, mm-hmm. just really kind of out of nowhere, sort of different paths to Iowa City. And Kirk was like, hey, we, we'd be crazy not to look at the portal. We'd be crazy not to beat the bushes for these types of players. I think Iowa's fine at running back, but I think Iowa could go and maybe a grad transfer, maybe – a first-year JUCO who maybe doesn't quite have the offers yet, I think they can maybe fortify their defensive line, inside defensive line, and maybe maybe a little bit of depth on, on the offensive line there. I think you might find a few bodies. Hmm. Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, uh, uh, is with us. Mark, uh, let me add my final question for you. Again, we'll talk to you next week, your schedule permitting. I know, Bob, well, let's do this first. You and Doc have a, an On Iowa podcast coming out when? This afternoon you're going to try and record it? Yeah, 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 as long as my voice holds up. You do sound like you have a bit of a cold. You all right? Uh, yeah, I've had a cold for a while now. It's starting to drive me insane. But, uh, hey, today's, today's a new day. Maybe we'll get over it today. <laughs> um, we, when we reconvene, Trent and I, we, I don't know which, which one of our Hawkeye guests kind of, I don't know, flip, flip, uh, floated this out there. Was there some talk that maybe this might be it for Kirk Ferentz, the, the, the Outback Bowl? Uh, it certainly had escaped me, but you guys were there and closer to it. Was, was, that, was there some chatter along those lines? No, not, not from. I had not heard that, and that was uh, there was been no sort of uh, nothing on the walkie-talkie or anything that came that way. I think this. I think it was a a big win. Um, it was a frustrating season, and that I really do, and they probably believe they should have eleven wins. Um, so I think the bowl game was a kind of an emotional uh, sort of. I don't know, maybe a high point of the season, and I think Ferentz. You know, the older you get, the more the easier it is at. I mean. He's had the emotion pouring out from day one. If, if people have been watching, he's he's done the he's done the tearing up thing, you know, very very frequently since oh man, two thousand one when they started kind of climbing the ladder. So this isn't new, but it's it is more frequent. I, I just think that's a that's just a, a product of age. And it a is of uh, a product of just you know climbing the hill they climbed. I mean, that was an SEC team that was ranked, and uh, uh, Iowa was what a touchdown underdog, and you know they they. Without without a really sloppy third quarter, Iowa kind of wins that by two touchdowns. Does 2018 go down in Hawkeye lore as a successful season, one that's looked back upon fondly? I would take I would add out Trent. I would add out the word fondly. <laughs> I would say frustratingly. I think it, yeah. I think it's an above average season with nine wins. But yeah, I think you have to say that. But I do think uh, with eleven wins that were, in my opinion, that were on the table. I think it's frustrating and not fondly. I think it, the fondness will probably overtake the frustration as people go on because of the bowl win um, and three out of four trophy games. That's always, you know, that's always a big thing for Iowa fans. It's a big thing for the program. 
But uh, I think frustrating fits right now because, you know, really, I, I really think that, you know, they did leave, you know, Purdue, obviously, maybe Northwestern. But, you know, I predicted 10-2 and two at the beginning of the year. Uh, I think, uh, I, I, I think you know, this team probably should have been 11-2, and two, probably really should have been knocking on Indy, especially with Wisconsin being the train wreck that it was this year. Yep. You've got to be able to jump in that void. No doubt. Uh, your Blackhawks are playing a little better. They're a little better. They're interesting now, anyway. Mm-hmm. They're not out of the wild card, but uh, young team, hard to really, very inconsistent night in, night out. But, uh, hey, it's hockey, and I'll watch the heck out of it. Indeed you will. NBC Sports tonight's got a good one. The Wild and the Jets, if you're looking for something to watch. I love it. the Jets, man. I, the Jets have me in. Just a bunch of horses on skates and score. I, I'm all, all about that. They're fun to watch. Indeed they are, Mark Moros. Best team of my lifetime by a mile. <laughs> Thank you, pal. Good to talk to you. We'll talk to you next week. You bet. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Mark Morehouse, Cedar Rapids Gazette, gazette.com backslash sports. For Mark, for Michael Oss, for all the crew over there, that's a good newspaper. Uh, Morehouse does a terrific job, and we're lucky to have him, Trent Condon. So uh, I was putting up our podcast from the first hour, and I saw yesterday you did a podcast with Emery. Is that I did, right? yes, I did. I did a horse race. I get, and Emery Songer, who is Von, Van and Bonnie's producer, mm-hmm. Uh, he's, I don't know, how old would he be? Late 20s? Probably, something like that. Just guessing. Uh, late 20s, and he, he's got a real horse racing bug. and he Which is rare for somebody in their is, 20s, right? And there's not enough of those guys out there. So he asked me, because apparently he'd heard that I was into horse racing. <laughs> so, I, so he asked me to do a podcast with him. Of course, I'd be happy to do that. Here's the thing that floored me. He had no idea that I was a... 20-something-year race caller. Oh, really? He had no idea that I ever called a race. He just I, was happy that, hey, look, a yes. horse racing guy is coming back in Some the building. Some guy that might know something about horse yeah. racing in the building, I kind of do. So I, uh, I said to him before I recorded, I said, you know what, maybe this will give you a little bump for your podcast. I said, have you ever heard of the horse Hoof Hard Ed? He said, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. He said, that's a funny one. I said, well, why don't you YouTube it, find the YouTube, and why don't you play it right now before we start? So we... Found it on YouTube when mm-hmm. he's in the studio, and he clicked on it. And there's, um, there's over a million hits on Who Farted right uh, on YouTube. And he looks at me and says, that's you. <laughs> yeah, that's me. Nineteen connected. Uh, 19, it was either 1990 or 1991. The horse's name is Hoof, H-O-O-F, Hard, H-A-R-D, Ed, E-D. But when you say it quickly, Who Farted? Who Farted? And of course he won. Yes. Who farted did. By then I was I had taken off and run with this, right? I mean, I knew before the race was the race even started mm-hmm. what the owners of this horse wanted it to sound like. Yes. And I'm not sure the audience that night put two and two together, but I had a ball with it. And of course he wins. So he's coming back to the winner's circle and I got to say, Who farted in the winner's circle? And ah the laughter ensued. Anyways, but uh yes, so I did a podcast with Emery on horse racing on the new bet uh that I'm a um I'm not the brains behind it, but Pretty much. Yeah, kind of, uh, yes, right? Yeah. Uh, that's at Santa Anita right now and is going to Gulfstream in two weeks and it's a bet that is targeting new players. Um, and hopefully it works. Simplified kind of way of it's betting. It's a simplified win bet. You take a field of 12 horses, you put some of them in red. It's called racetrack roulette. Okay. 
You put some of them in red, some of them in black, and some of them in green. You want the red and the black to be about even money. Mm-hmm. You want green to be a 10 to 1, 12 to 1 proposition. But it takes all the intimidation out of reading a program. The thought behind it is, you know, you cash a few tickets. Yeah. Maybe this young person comes back to the track, or maybe this newbie comes back to the track. Because if you go to a horse race, there's a whole bunch of people my age. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. And sadly... I feel young, and I'm almost 40. You know what? That's a great point. If you ever want to feel young, go to the track. <laughs> you're having a bad day. You're looking in the mirror, and you're, boy, I'm getting old. Go to the track. KXNO.com, you can find that and uh, many other places for the horse racing Indeed. Talk. You will find Paul Allen, the voice of the Vikings, talking NFL football. Tom Kaker, Dylan Montz, Nick Athen on the Chiefs. Claxon's Barbecue Giveaway as we end the week. On a Friday edition. Thank you, Trent Cotton. Nice job, as always. Murph and Andy, next local programming. Fanatics at 4 Morning Rush tomorrow morning. It's 1460 KXNO.